You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast from the University of Wisconsin Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. With this podcast, I'm exploring issues and innovations around women's health with a little help from experts in the UW Department of OBGYN and beyond. As we learned on the last episode of the Women's Health Cast, pelvic floor disorders are incredibly common. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to Protecting Your Pelvic Floor to learn about some of the common clinical interventions doctors use to help address incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, and other pelvic floor problems. But surgery and clinical interventions aren't the only option for people dealing with pelvic floor weakness or incontinence. So on this episode of the Women's Health Cast, I talked to Dr. Heidi Brown about her community-based program that helps women make lifestyle changes to alleviate their incontinence symptoms. Today, I am talking to Dr. Heidi Brown, who is a urogynecologist in the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. Um, Dr. Brown, I wanted to talk to you because you are piloting a very, very interesting research study working with uh, women with incontinence issues and other pelvic floor disorders. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk more about our program. Before we get into that, I want to take a little bit of a step back and... um, Talk about the pelvic floor in general. So you're an expert in all things pelvic floor. So when we say that, what are we talking about? Yeah, it's a great question. So the pelvic floor is a bowl of muscles and supportive tissue, like connective tissue and ligaments, that support our internal organs. So for women, that includes the vagina and uterus, the bladder and the rectum. And men also have a pelvic floor, a bowl that supports their innards, but they don't have a vagina or uterus, obviously, but that pelvic floor supports the prostate. So when everything's working like it should, what all does the pelvic floor do? The pelvic floor maintains our support and holds organs where they're supposed to be. The resting tone of the pelvic floor keeps us from leaking urine or stool when we don't want to. And then when we're ready to evacuate, the pelvic floor muscles relax so that the organs can evacuate their contents. But sometimes, you know, sometimes things aren't working as they're supposed to. So you mentioned incontinence. Uh, That sounds like a fairly common pelvic floor issue. Are there other problems? Yeah. So um, incontinence is the most common thing that impacts women, urinary incontinence or leakage of urine. Um, There's also bowel incontinence or leakage of uh, stool. And there's the opposite problem, incomplete bladder emptying or incomplete bowel emptying. There's also pelvic organ prolapse, which is when the walls of the pelvic floor relax so that the internal organs start to kind of pooch outward. How common are these issues? Pelvic floor disorders are quite common, though we don't talk a lot about them. So one in four younger women, women under the age of 45, experiences a pelvic floor disorder. And when we get postmenopausal, that rate goes up even higher. So after menopause, about 60% of women experience bladder or bowel incontinence or an issue with pelvic organ prolapse. But it definitely seems very under-discussed. Like it kind of lives as a taboo. We don't really talk about these problems. Yes, that's right. And it's so funny whenever we talk about it, whenever I do a talk in a public place and I start talking about it, women just come out of the woodwork asking questions and they all thought that they were alone because we don't talk about it. But of course, it is so common that once you get talking about it, everyone has a story. What drew you to this area of research or um, working with people with pelvic floor and incontinence issues? 
Yeah, so um, that's a great question. I definitely didn't know when I was a little girl that this is what I wanted to do. Um, I did my residency in OBGYN, and during that residency, you get exposure to all of the fields within OBGYN, the subspecialties. And when I did my rotation on the urogynecology rotation, or it's also called female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery, I was struck by the tremendous impact of these conditions on women's quality of life. And the potential for really simple, straightforward solutions to make a big difference. Um, and so that's what drew me to the field of urogynecology. And what draws me to the research that I do right now is the fact that despite being so common and often debilitating and devastating conditions, fewer than half of women with urinary incontinence and fewer than a third of women with bowel incontinence talk to a healthcare provider about their symptoms. So I realized that there are so many people out there suffering, um, and often their symptoms can be improved or even cured just through lifestyle changes without having to take a medication or have an operation. Um, and so my research really looks at how we can reach women who might be suffering with a pelvic floor disorder and not know about solutions to offer information and build skills and confidence to make changes to improve health. So from what I know about your Mind Over Matter program, that research in particular, that's very much, it sounds like it's it's lifestyle changes and it's um, sort of a community support model to, to help people connect to tools and resources. Um, I guess, tell me a little bit about that program. Yeah, so um, Mind Over Matter Healthy Bowels, Healthy Bladder is a chronic disease self-management program. Um, there are a lot of studies that have come out of Stanford. That's sort of been the university that pioneered this self-management stuff. But, you know, the more we learn about health, the more we realize that most of our health is actually accounted for by things other than medical care. And so chronic disease self-management programs uh, try to reach folks in communities and help them with evidence-based strategies to make lifestyle changes to improve health. So there are ones for diabetes, there are ones for falls prevention, there are ones for managing chronic conditions or memory problems. Um, but until Mind Over Matter came along, there wasn't one for uh, the taboo issues of the pelvic floor. There were a couple of studies showing that bladder health classes improved symptoms when they were offered as part of a research study. And so what we set out to do when we started this research several years ago was take a the evidence-based strategies of the bladder health classes and deliver them using this chronic disease self-management uh, delivery system where you train someone who's not a healthcare professional to deliver an evidence-based intervention in a community setting. So that way you can reach folks who live in a small rural area that doesn't have a urogynecologist. Um, and we wanted to, so we wanted to make a bladder health class that was deliverable by anyone, not by a healthcare professional. And we also wanted to incorporate uh, solutions to improve bowel symptoms as well, because bowel and bladder symptoms are closely related. Um, and bowel symptoms are much more taboo than bladder symptoms. So we wanted to harness the relative social acceptability of the bladder to deliver solutions for both bladder and bowel symptoms. The program is set in um, community centers and uh, sort of like access resource centers for um, community people versus a healthcare setting. Why? Um, the reason we 
reached out to communities initially is because we wanted to reach folks who weren't necessarily seeking care. So if someone's in my office and she has urinary and bowel incontinence, and I know she hasn't, from my history, I know that she hasn't tried lifestyle changes, I can suggest those lifestyle changes and refer to her to a nutritionist, a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, but I really wanted to reach the women who aren't in my office. I wanted to reach women in other, in other settings. So that's why we started with the senior centers and other community locations. Um, I think we realized, though, that the ladies who are strong enough to sign up for a bladder health class in a senior center are the same ladies who are strong enough to come and see me in clinic if their symptoms are bothersome. And so now we're looking at expanding the reach of Mind Over Matter um, through a grant we have to adapt it from an in-person program to an online program because we found that when we surveyed women across the state, many women with incontinence wouldn't even consider coming to a community center event about incontinence. So we started out with senior centers hoping that we would reach women who weren't seeking care in the clinic, but realized that perhaps we were still just reaching a fraction of the women who could be reached by a program like this. So we're always looking at how we can really get out there and meet the needs of Wisconsin women. What kinds of skills or tools do participants leave the program with? The three sort of key behavior changes are pelvic floor muscle exercises, so strengthening, relaxing, and coordinating the pelvic floor muscles, that bowl of muscles that supports the openings of the bladder and rectum, making changes to fiber intake to optimize our stool consistency. So one thing that a lot of folks don't know is that constipation makes incontinence worse. And so even if you don't think you have bowel problems, it's likely that optimizing your fiber intake will improve your bladder symptoms. And then optimizing your fluid intake. So a lot of folks with urinary incontinence restrict their fluids because they don't want to leak. But that leads to problems with constipation. It leads to um, recurrent urinary tract infections sometimes. And it makes our urine more concentrated and thus more likely to leak. So those are the three sort of key behavior strategies. And then there are some other things talking about how our brain communicates with our pelvic organs and how we can sort of regain control the same way we did when we became potty trained as children. And then finally, a key component is building self-efficacy, which is essentially, if you think about like the little engine that could, self-efficacy is um, having the belief that you can make a change and that that change will improve symptoms and make a difference for you. Um, and so the Mind Over Matter workshop builds skills and self-efficacy to make behavior changes that we know from randomized trials improve symptoms. How effective are self-efficacy programs? Um, self-efficacy is sort of an underpinning concept of most of these chronic disease self-management programs. In our randomized trial of Mind Over Matter, Healthy Bowels, Healthy Bladder, over 70% of participants reported improvements in their bladder symptoms four months after starting the program, and 55% of participants reported improvements in their bowel symptoms. I think another really convincing piece of data, um, when we did a randomized trial, which means there's a control group, so there were some women who didn't get to take the workshop who were included in the study. Over that four-month time period, the women who didn't take the workshop, about 20% of them had worsening bladder and bowel symptoms. And in the treatment group who took the workshop, only 5% had worsening symptoms over that time period. 
You said uh, after four months, uh, four months after the program, um, you still saw like these improvements in symptoms. How long are participants in the program? Yeah, the program itself is lasts one month. It's three classes, and each class is two hours long, and the class meets every other week. So during the first class, participants learn sort of some basics, and they make some goals that they want to work on over the next two weeks. And then when they meet for the second class, which is two weeks later, they learn more information, but they also follow up on their goals, what worked well and what didn't. And then they have a final session two weeks later, and that's the final two hours. And that session is focused on maintaining the changes that have helped, as well as um, seeking care if the solutions that they've learned in the workshop aren't complete solutions. Um, One of the other things we've learned through our other research is that a lot of doctors don't really know how to help with incontinence. And so sometimes a patient brings up her leakage and a doctor sort of closes the door on it, not meaning to probably, but the end result is that patients say, so then I never really asked anyone else about it. You know, my doctor said, oh, well, you are getting older or, oh, there are treatments, but they have a lot of side effects. Is it really that bad? You don't want a surgery, do you? Without realizing the the array of options that are available. So the last session also provides some tools for negotiating with a caregiver who might not know all of the tools and tips um, and sort of makes a list like asking you know, might I be referred to a physical therapist who could help me work on this? Might I be referred to a urologist or et cetera? As you're thinking about adapting it for online, do you think it will also be sort of a a staged, you know, we're rolling it out in three-week chunks or how far have you gotten into the adapting process? What we're going to do is bring together a group of women um, in the target age group, so women over age 50 who are somewhat internet connected and internet literate, um, and just sort of get their feedback about how they might use an online program like this. And we'll actually ask them, what sort of layout would you like? Would you like it to be something that's tiered? Would you like it to be something that you can do at your own pace? Would you like to get reminders like, oh, there's new content this week, et cetera? If someone's interested in uh, learning more about Mind Over Matter or uh, maybe enrolling in the program, uh, where should they go? The um, Right now, Mind Over Matter is just being incorporated into the suite of programs that the Wisconsin Institute for Healthy Aging disseminates. So the best way to find out about um, getting either being trained to be a Mind Over Matter facilitator or enrolling in a Mind Over Matter workshop, the best thing to do is contact the Wisconsin Institute for Healthy Aging, and their website is wihealthyaging.org. So the initials for wisconsinhealthyaging.org. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. So uh, when you're looking at this episode, you can always look at the notes and there'll be a link to their website too. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. If you're in the Madison, Wisconsin area, there's still time to check out a free Bladder Health Month event. On November 28th, you can learn how to break free from pelvic floor disorders and incontinence from physical therapists and UW-OBGYN physicians. Learn more at uwhealth.org slash breakfree. Next week, we'll have a special episode for listeners who want a more in-depth look at surgery. Dr. Kara King is a minimally invasive gynecologic surgeon in our department of OBGYN, and on next week's bonus episode, she will interview Dr. Jacob Greenberg from the UW-Madison Department of Surgery. They're going to talk to us about hernia repairs. 
Women's HealthCast is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can subscribe to Women's HealthCast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISC-OBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us on your podcast app, and let us know what women's health issues you would like to learn more about. Thanks for listening.